This episode of The Minimalist is brought to you by nobody, because advertisements suck. This podcast has bad words. <laughs> Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'll be fine without it Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus. And together, we are The Minimalists. Instead of spring cleaning, let's do some summer simplifying, Ryan. Mm. Today, on the eve of our 300th public episode oh wow we're gonna tackle your decluttering and minimalism questions now first ryan i have to start with i was wrong really but then i was wrong about being wrong so <laughs> i don't know if that makes me right or twice as wrong is that the whole like uh the idiom of like i was wrong once <laughs> but it turns out i was yeah wrong anyway <laughs> we for a while we were calling our audience simpletons and everyone was sort of in on the joke and i thought mm. it really didn't catch on mm. and so i put a poll out there on our patreon yeah patreon.com slash the minimalist shout out to our patreon supporters and i said you know maybe we change it maybe we we refer to our audience as minimizers people who are in the process of minimizing mm -hmm. and then or do you like the do you like simpletons are mm. you in on the joke and it was overwhelming, right? Because mm. Ryan and I are the head simpletons. Mm -hmm, what does mm -hmm. simpleton mean? It means to be foolish or gullible. Yes. Well, aren't we foolish and gullible? <laughs> and haven't we certainly been for 40 years, Ryan? Oh, yeah. And well, hold on. I, I'm not 40. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You never will be, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I forgot. Ryan's still a thirty-something. Yes, that's right. I am for for the time being. <laughs> anyway, so I put this poll out, and overwhelming. I, we got like I think a thousand or more votes over on Patreon. Oh wow! And and it was like seventy percent of people said no, 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 simpleton. Like we're in on this. Mm. Some people like minimizers. Some people threw out uh, other cute monikers like enoughies, which I thought was was funny. That's adorable. And anyway, here's a couple comments here. Linda over on Patreon said simpletons makes me smile and i had a lot of similar comments like that people say i just get i light up every time you say hello simpletons <laughs> and here's what carolyn said simpletons if you know you know <laughs> and that was it i mean i th thought that was perfect so mm. here's what i thought we would do ryan tell me what you think about this mm. for these public episodes mm -hmm. for our casual listeners who listen to the public episodes mm -hmm. we'll call them the minimizers Okay. And then our friends who are in on the joke over on Patreon, mm -hmm. they're the simpletons. Hey, man, I support whatever you think, man. I'm just here, I'm just here to support you, brother. <laughs> well, so I was here to say that I was wrong about, I really thought like, oh, you know, this hasn't caught on. Mm. But the patrons absolutely love. People are digging it. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, there were a handful of people who were like, oh, I, I kind of don't get it or whatever. But the vast, vast, I mean, the comments were amazing. The Awesome. I, I was blown away by this. Cool. So, Thank you, patrons, for weighing in on that. And thank you to the minimizers listening to this right now. Now, on this minimal episode, this public episode, we're going to answer your decluttering questions today. We got some about books. We got about a question about where to start, sentimental items. Mm. And then on the maximal episode this week, we're going to talk about why tidying up 
doesn't work. Mm-hmm. We're also going to tell you about the dinner we had at Dave Ramsey's house oh, this yeah, that week. Was, that was pretty awesome. Yeah, we're gonna so we got a story there. Now before we get into the questions, Ryan, I was walking down Santa Monica Boulevard last week, mm-hmm. and this guy ran into me and he said, "Hey, you're 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 one of the minimizers, right?" <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and I said, yeah. "Yes." Yeah. Uh, he goes, "I saw both of your films." He goes, "I got to tell you, man, I am a hoarder." I'm like a real hoarder. I really enjoyed your films. They made me realize that I need to make a change. Can I get both of those on DVD? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the irony. That's great. Oh, man. And I said, you know, I'm sorry, man. I think the first film was available on DVD for a while. Uh, we stopped it. Not a lot of people were getting the DVD. I mean, it was hundreds of people. And it just it didn't make sense because... You know, tens of millions or probably over 100 million people have seen the first film mm-hmm. now. And then you know, the new one, Less Is Now, was never on DVD. It's, it's a Netflix original. Mm-hmm. And so it's available there. Plus, even if I did have the DVDs for you, man, I know where you're at right now because I was exactly where you are. Mm-hmm. I was there once upon a time. And I thought having a thing to fix my problem with things was going to be the thing that solved everything. Yeah. And of course, it wasn't. How did, how did he respond to that? He, I think he was gracious. He, he, he appreciated that I was being gracious. I gave him a hug and said, hey, man, you know, we had a new book come out. But even that, I wouldn't encourage you to hold on to it. I would yeah. go to the local library. It's right down the street. And there, be able to get you a copy if you want to take a look and, and have a deeper dive. So we don't need to like start walking around carrying DVDs on us. <laughs> Just to hand out. <laughs> Just blank DVDs. Could you imagine if you did, though, like for some reason, you're like, yeah, here you go. <laughs> hey, do you like mixtapes? <laughs> you're over on Hollywood, slinging DVDs. We have a question from Jennifer on Facebook. Where do you start when your entire home needs decluttering? It's kind of paralyzing. Here's the thing I'll say, mm. Ryan, is I wouldn't start with the stuff. And isn't that a weird statement coming from one of the minimizers? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. so as a minimalist, yes, everything I own serves a purpose or brings me joy. The excess is out of the way, but it didn't start with the stuff. As I said on the Maximal, we're going to talk about why tidying up doesn't really work and what I really mean by that. And so if we start with the stuff, we think we have a stuff problem, right? Mm -hmm. And if we do have a stuff problem... It's not really about the stuff. The thing is not about the thing, right? Mm -hmm. Our material possessions are a physical manifestation of what's going on inside us. And so, yes, we're going to address the physical clutter, but there's always that question that we start with. It's a why question disguised as a how-to question because as Kapil Gupta says, we are smitten with prescriptions, smitten by prescriptions. And that question is how might your life be better with less? That's always where you start. Yeah. Because I could say, oh, you start with your kitchen, right? Right. How many people have started with their kitchen and they declutter the kitchen and a month from now, a week from now, a year from now, it's recluttered. In fact, we're going to do a recluttering episode in the not too distant future because we're in this new studio and I found that we are we are recluttering the space in order to make it ideal for us. And so I want to, as soon as we get through all the lessons of this new space, mm-hmm. I want to be able to talk about those. By the way, shout out to Andy who's here helping us with some of the audio stuff that we're going through right now. That's why we sound so beautiful today. Ryan, he put uh, auto-tune on your voice, so it (laughs) sounds amazing. 
and everything rhymes for some reason. The minimizers. <laughs> <laughs> everything rhymes for some reason. So I get it. Where you are, it's kind of paralyzing, right? Well, let's talk about why it's paralyzing. There's this uh, Confucius sentiment. I'm not going to get the quote verbatim here, but maybe, Sean, you can find the exact quote and put it in the show notes as one of our minimal maxims. Not from us, but from Confucius. But he says the man that pursues happiness is really pursuing change. In order to pursue happiness, one must pursue change. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. I think what we often do is we pursue a fixed state. And and what I mean by that is like, oh, if I just had the right stuff in my kitchen, then it would be complete or it'd be done, Mm. right? Or if I just had the, the right car, well, then that would be taken care of, right? But that's just tethering us to a fixed state of things relying on the externalities once again to complete us. Nothing wrong with the things. You and I agree on that. Mm-hmm. You got here in a car today, not yeah. a mule. Right. <laughs> and, um, and, and as a result, we need some things. But when we think those things are going to be the final state, that once I have everything perfectly tidy, mm-hmm. well, now it's all set. That's sort of the OCD mindset. I know as a person who has been formally diagnosed with OCD, I know that what drives me is this completion state. As soon as I get everything perfectly organized and straight, then I'll be able to do whatever I want to do. Mm. Well, not realizing that the whole point of freedom, happiness, peace, whatever you want to call it, Mm. is we are going to change as our circumstances change. Mm. If we become fixed, we become unhappy. You could tweet that podcast, Sean. Boom. Man, uh, no, I totally agree. I mean, you start with the why. Because, like we often say, you could run a dumpster, throw everything out, and be utterly miserable if you don't know why you did it. Uh, but the one thing I really want to do recommend to Jennifer, the, the most important thing you can do to get started is to get started. It doesn't matter how you start. Mm. So let's say you've gotten to the why. Let's say uh, you, know, you, you can emotionally understand uh, where you're at, why you have this clutter. And so now you're looking to actually move on to the things. It's, you have to start. Like right now, just open up a drawer, pick something out, put it in a donation box. Yeah. Or maybe you call a friend and you're like, hey, I got a, a spork for you. <laughs> Whatever it is. The 30-day the, the minimalism game, I think, is like an awesome way to start. Yes. Because it's, uh, I'm sure everyone listening to this knows about it, but I'll tell you anyway. It's, We've you, got some new minimizers here. That's right, right. So here's how you do it, minimizers. You find a friend or a family member or a coworker, someone who wants to declutter, and you agree to play this game. And the way the game works is you start on the first day of any month. So when's yes. this episode coming out? comes out on the 3rd, so you're already two days behind, but you can catch up today. Yeah, you could actually, yeah, you could just retro, go back and, and, and start this game. So on the first day of the month, you both agree to get rid of one item. And then on the second day of the month, you both agree to get rid of two items. And then on the third day of the month, three items, so forth and so on. You all probably get the point by now. It starts out really, really easy. So right now, if it's day three, yeah, go back. You got to throw away one. Two, and then today, three things. It's six things total. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty good start. But it gets a little harder as the time moves on. As the month moves on, you know, on day 19, you got, got to get rid of 19 things, and then 20 things, and it gets a little bit more difficult. So whoever lasts the longest wins. And you can bet 
something silly. I don't know. The, the loser has to wear a silly hat for a day. I don't know. You can streak come... around the neighborhood. <laughs> what is this? Well, what is this high school? Yeah, yeah. You remember that, right? <laughs> I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, shoot. We'll have to talk about that on the maximum yeah, right, episode. Right. Yeah, um, I, I, although the statute of limitations has long passed. Yeah. Now, so we can't, yeah, we can't be trapped. If so. you really want to get aggressive with the game, mm. you could just double it every day. And by the end of the Ooh. month, you'll have gotten rid of a billion items. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> You had me till the billion <laughs> items. <laughs> I mean, if you got a lot well, of stuff that yeah, otherwise, no, yeah, by the end of the month, you know, the doubling effect that it, it'll really, really get to you. And that's what people often get confused. So we actually have a free calendar you can download the minimalists.com slash game, and it will show you how many items to get rid of that day. And it will also show you how many items you've gotten rid of so far that month. Yeah. Because if you make it into the month. Yeah. If, if, yeah. Whoever makes it to the end of the month wins. And if you both make it to the end of the month, then you both win because you would have gotten rid of about 500 items or if you double it, about a billion items. No, <laughs> well, when you said that, it made me think about that uh, that, that uh, gal on the, the minimalist.org, uh, yeah, the, the online city. Mm-hmm. And she has been playing that. I don't know if she's still playing it. But it was many, many months. Yes. And I don't... She kept starting over each month though, right? That's correct. Yeah. We've had some people who go beyond the 30 days or 31 days in a month and they're like, I'm on day 46 yeah. of the minimalism game. So I'm getting rid of 46 items today. Other people, they just start over each month. So it's day one once again. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I do it once or twice a year still. Yeah. With yeah. Ella's things. They're so easy to get rid of. <laughs> and we just rip them out of her hands and she's crying. And, you don't need this. <laughs> uh, you're a minimalist now, Ella. Oh, shoot. No, yeah. we would never do it. No. And so it's not about getting rid of someone else's things, but you can have your kids participate. Ella actually loves participating in this and because she realizes the gift of contribution. Yeah. And she's at that age now, she's eight, where she starts to realize, like, if I give this to someone else, she she really started to understand it right, right around four or five, but now it's really sinking in. She gets the joy the compersion from all other kids Mm. are going to enjoy this toy that i am no longer enjoying yeah kids get the contribution part pretty easily and kids love to help us yeah kid yeah absolutely so jennifer enjoy that minimalism game the calendar is at the minimalists.com slash game we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well we have a question here from elizabeth in phoenix arizona I have many hundreds of books and have been donating them a little at a time. I'm now ready to instead keep only the ones I really want and get rid of the rest. My question has to do with the paperback books that are decades old and yellowed with pages falling out. They aren't readable anymore and need to be recycled. But I'm having trouble with the thought of physically throwing a book away even in the recycle bin. They are my friends and now I'm constraining them to the trash, never to be read again. How do I get past this? We're going to give you some tough love here, Elizabeth. Your books are not your friends. And I get it. We tell ourselves these lies all the time. In fact, in our new book, Love People Use Things, there's a whole chapter in there about our relationship with the truth. And it gets really slippery. Not just our relationship with the truth with others. We certainly tell others lies, but quite often we tell others lies because we lie to ourselves. Or Here's a nicer way to say it. We create a narrative in our mind that my books are my friends. And I totally get it because my stuff was my friend, especially when my marriage ended. And I was surrounded by things. And I felt like, oh, I don't have the person I love anymore. But in a way, in a perverse way, I felt like my things loved me. And it's even more insidious with books because I get it. 
a, a great book is an exchange of consciousness. You can read a David Foster Wallace book right now or an Anthony DeMello book right now. They're not alive. But you can have an exchange of consciousness with another human being who is no longer here. You can read a Marcus Aurelius book from 2,000 years ago mm. and have an exchange of consciousness. So I can understand the confusion. And so it sounds to me like we need to change the narrative around these books because letting go is not something you do. Letting go is something you stop doing. You stop clinging to the stuff, but you also stop clinging to the past. You stop clinging to the idea that your books are your friends, right? There's nothing inherently wrong with books, but what is useful with books? Is it the book? The artifact is literally meaningless. However, there's tremendous value in the words. Now, not the words alone. I could take our book, there's 80,000 words in it or 100,000 words, whatever it is, and I could put all those words into a bucket for you. Mm. They're also meaningless, right? Mm. It's the experience of going through the book, absorbing that, but then also being able to move on from the book. It's the reason that, Ryan, you end every chapter in Love People Use Things with some questions, mm. some points of reflection. Because, yes, you might learn something from the stories in there, and it might even seep into your viscera, but what questions does that lead to? Because those questions, and also you have some do's and some don'ts, some boundaries you help people set up at the end of every chapter. And what we're really talking about here with your books are boundaries. I know I did a, one of the few solo podcasts I did when Ryan was out of town. I think, it, Sean, I think it's episode 254, if I'm not mistaken. Either way, we'll put a link to it in the show notes. It was about book clutter. So there's a whole episode about book clutter there. And... I addressed some of the misunderstandings that we have about our books. I can tell you one boundary that I have for me is I have two bookshelves. They're, they're these vertical bookshelves, and about 40 books fits on each one. So I have 80 books, roughly. Mm. Every time I bring a new book home, and how many people give us books? We were just in Nashville, and I think we got three or four books there. Yeah. Now, if I want to bring them into my home, that means I have to take four books off of my shelf already. Mm. And I have to bring them somewhere else. And it's funny. I saw this meme, Ryan. Maybe, Jordan, you can find this. Put it on the, the YouTube video. This meme. You know the, the meme of the guy holding hands with his girlfriend. He's turning around, but he's looking at the posterior of another girl. Oh, yes. Yeah, and there's always like some sort of words over each. Right. And he's holding hands with the books I own. And, but he's looking at the books I want to buy. Yeah. And isn't that always the case when you go to the bookstore? Yeah. Oh, I, I want this one and this one. I can walk to the counter with a stack of books. In fact, that podcast episode I mentioned, Jordan took the picture for the thumbnail. It's just me with this huge stack of, of my, quote, favorite books. Mm. But why are they my favorite books? Because I've gotten immense value from them. Now, why do I hold on to some books? Why do I hold on to roughly 80 books? Because I continue to get value from some books that I return to. However, if I'm not returning to it, then I start implementing some of our 16 rules for living with less. And maybe it's the seasonality rule. Have I read this book in the last 90 days? If not, you know, I've never read this book. Well, mm. let's be honest with yourself, Josh. Are you going to read it in the next 90? Mm, maybe. Okay. Let me give myself a deadline then. Mm. Let me write. Here's my deadline in the front cover of the book. Mm, that's a good idea. And now all of a sudden I have a deadline. If I don't start the book by then, mm. I give myself permission to let it go. Yeah. So no, I think boundaries would certainly help Elizabeth here. I, I do want to, I want to acknowledge like the, 
the battle that you're going through right now, Elizabeth, the books are my friends. I mean, like I felt that viscerally when she said that. Yeah, me too. And there is some, there's just something deeper going on that maybe Elizabeth hasn't been able to uncover and her books being her friends is what helps her deal with that internal, whatever she has going on internally. Mm -hmm. Um, Or cover it up. Yeah. Or covering it up. Yeah. But you know, I think about like, I think about Elizabeth's question. I think about Jennifer's question. And what I love about what we did with love people use things is I feel like we did an amazing job to show people where to focus their time their attention. We picked these seven essential relationships that we think are the most important relationships in our lives. Yes, people are one of those, but we go into, you know, money, our stuff, the truth. So that internal, I'm not saying that our book is the answer for Elizabeth here, but I do think that if she can read a book like this, she can start to uncover why she's having this internal struggle. Mm. Is it because she might be having a struggle with herself. She might be having a struggle with the truth. Um, and we cover self and truth in that book. Right. Um, man, I feel like, I feel like this is a shameless plug for her. Well, but, no, here, but, we'll like, just do this. Elizabeth, will send you a copy of the book. Yeah. 100%. If you want the audio, if you like our podcast, you'll really enjoy the audio book version. So we'll send that to you. Or if you want the ebook, oh, that might be better for Elizabeth here. The ebook's not a physical item. Right? Yeah. Right. Right. right? No, it's funny. We're, we're sending her a book for her book problem. <laughs> yeah. And so that, that's what I want to avoid. Yeah. Right. And so maybe yeah. the audio book or the ebook in your case in particular will be really useful. The other thing yeah. I'd love to send you, Elizabeth, before we wrap up your question is mm. you're in Phoenix. We're going to 20 different cities throughout the United States and Canada. Why don't you come experience? We'll put you on the list. Yeah. And yeah. so we're going to send you a couple tickets to our Phoenix event. We have 20 cities for the Love People Use Things mm. tour. And we'd love to see you. We'd love to answer any questions you might have in person. Maybe we can have mm. a conversation on the live version of the podcast yeah. as well. So we'll be in Phoenix, 19 other cities. TheMinimalists.com slash tour if anyone else listening to this is yeah. interested. Oh, man, I can't wait to get back on the road. But but getting back to Elizabeth, um, yeah, like there, there's something deeper going on, Elizabeth. And I, I don't know what that is from your question here and your voicemail, but uh, I, I would encourage you to start digging a little bit deeper to see why your, your books being your friends, it, it brings her so much comfort. There's a reason for that. The other thing that comes to mind, and it's funny because like I never would have suggested this until we did the podcast with Ian. But Elizabeth, you might want to take the Enneagram test to see where you're at on the Enneagram. Because I know for me, like when I, I, we were on a podcast and I think we're going to talk about it in the Maximal episode, right? Yeah. But real, but real briefly, was on this podcast with, with uh, uh, Typology, or, or yeah, Typology. Mm -hmm. And Ian Cron is the, the founder of it. And what he does is he basically takes your Enneagram number and then you have a conversation about your Enneagram number. And to me, I looked at the Enneagram like it was a Myers-Briggs. Mm -hmm. Very surface. Yes, it kind of hints to what I am, mm -hmm. but you know, I don't want to like put myself in this box. Mm -hmm. But what the Enneagram does is it says, hey, there are nine different types. You're all of them, mm -hmm. but let's talk about which one surfaced for you the most. Where's your biggest flaws in a way? Right, exactly. So now that I understand that I'm a seven on the Enneagram, like I can just look at things with a different perspective. So when I have these impulses, when I have these feelings... Uh, it helps me to just manage them a little bit differently. It helps me to hold space for them a little bit differently. And for the sake of time, I'm, I'm going to like wrap it up with Elizabeth here, but go take the Enneagram test 
and uh, get Ian's book. And, and oh, no, I don't want to recommend another book to her. You could Google it. You don't even have to get Ian's book. Mm-hmm. Take the Enneagram test and then just look up the strengths of your Enneagram number. Look at the flaws. And I promise you, you will learn something about yourself. Elizabeth, enjoy our copy, hopefully our audio copy or ebook copy of Love People, Use Things Because the Opposite Never Works. And we will see you when we come to Phoenix later this year. I just thought if Elizabeth, if she gets our book, if she gets Ian's book, if she does the one out or one in 20 out rule. Uh-huh. Well, one in 10 out for yeah. each, that's 20 out. Right. Yeah, that's true. So that's one of the rules in our book. One in 10 out. Yeah. If you bring one thing in, you have to let go of... 20. So the problem isn't that some of these books you don't want to recycle, even though they're not usable. You can recycle them. You, you've yeah. determined that they are functionally trashed. They're functionally useless. No mm-hmm. one else is going to get value from it. Yes, the better thing to do with them is to recycle them because yeah. otherwise they're just taking up space in your home. More importantly, Elizabeth, they're taking up space in your mind. We'll see you soon in Phoenix. Ryan, what time is it? You know what time it is. It's time for our lightning round where we answer your text messages. You can text your questions and comments to 937-202-4654. Yes, indeed. Now, during the lightning round, so Ryan and I do our best to answer questions with a short, shareable, less than 140 character response. We put the text to these minimal maxims in the show notes so you can copy and share our pithy answers on social media if you'd like. And now you can find all of our minimal maxims in one place. Minimal maxims. Ryan, before we get to Mike's question here, also, you can text that phone number. It really does go to both of our phones. We answer a lot of people's questions outside of the podcast as well. Not every single day, but most days we're we're responding to people. And uh, I'll tell you this, you can just text us an emoji of the thing you got rid of most recently. And hopefully, Elizabeth, you'll text us a emoji of a book. Yeah. Because awesome. I'd, I'd love to see that. And by the way, when you do that, we'll also put you on our Monday morning minimal maxims text message. You start your week off with a little bit of simplicity. Mike yeah. has a question for us. You know, sometimes I get those, those uh, maxims uh-huh. and it's like something I said and I'm like, man, I'm freaking, I, I can't believe I said that. Like, I don't <laughs> even remember saying that. Actually, what it is is probably Sean clear, cleaning it up in post mm-hmm. and making it beautiful. All right, let's get to Mike's question. Sorry. Uh, what about items that have a sentimental attachment? Yeah, what about them? I mean, so here's the thing. Let's talk about clinging for a second. I'll give you a pithy answer real quick. If everything is sentimental, then everything loses its sentiment. Mm. And I recognized this early on in the process of letting go when I was going through my mom's stuff, and everything was sentimental to me, especially because I was so close to her death. You know, she had just died hours ago and I'm in this room of hers and all of these things not only that have I imbued them with meaning before mm-hmm. but now I'm imbuing with them with all of this additional meaning yeah. about who she is what it means to me and what does clinging do to us clinging tethers us to a past which by the way doesn't exist the past exists only as memories in the present moment right Mm. well of course the memories aren't in our things we elucidated that in our most recent film which is called less is now on netflix and in that film you saw me going through my mom's things and learning some of those lessons about dealing with her stuff and yes well we are giving things sentiment simply because i'm saying that is sentimental to me. 
And it's almost as though we're looking for the right things. I, I, I thought about this, um, this story. Have you heard of uh, Ness Rudin? No. He was a mullah, I think 13th century. What's a mullah? Like a, a, a Sufi mystic, a Islamic mystic. Okay. Uh, and a lot of countries claim him. Uh, he was born in, in what some people think is present-day Turkey or Azerbaijan or or maybe uh, I think the Greeks claimed him at one point or the Persians mm-hmm. claimed him. He must be a pretty awesome man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and he, he told these sort of stories, and he was often the sort of main foible in the story. He was... Uh, in some ways, the gesture, the jester of the story, mm. he was showing the absurdity of some of our chases and pursuits through the storytelling, and it was, it is in many ways how you and I we call ourselves the the, the simpletons, right? Mm-hmm. And it's because hey, we're showing how foolish we are, and he kind of did the same thing, but seven hundred years ago or eight hundred years ago now, I guess. And anyway, there's this one story of him. He's in the town square, and he's playing, uh, he, he has his guitar, and he's playing one note over and over and over, and the crowd starts to, to gather around him. And someone in the crowd eventually says, uh, excuse me, but why are you, you know, everyone else, they play these beautiful melodies, and they, they find all of these different notes, and how come you're just playing the one note over and over? And he said, oh, those fools. They're constantly searching for the right note, and I've already found it. (laughs) That's awesome. And that's really what we're doing with our sentimental items. We're clinging to the right note. Think about when you listen to some of your favorite music, Ryan. Mm. In fact, I heard this week when you and I were in Nashville, you were talking to someone. He said, I've got this song stuck in my head. That becomes a curse after a while, right? When you experience the song, though, it's beautiful. It's perfect. Yeah. But as soon as you cling to the song, now it's stuck. And you become stuck in a way. Mm -hmm. And it creates a sort of misery or a discontent or just a dis-ease, an unease with the situation. Because what what are we doing? We're no longer hearing the symphony. We're no longer hearing the song. Mm -hmm. We're clinging to the one note we heard a day ago, an hour ago, a minute ago, a year ago, whatever it is. And we're having trouble letting go yeah hey mike there's nothing wrong with sentimental items i mean i've got a couple sentimental items um but i mean josh you are absolutely right when everything is sentimental then nothing is sentimental it has it loses all meaning when everything has meaning so here's how you know whether or not sentimental items are a problem it's not worth it when the cost of your sentiment is your sanity so what i mean by that is if you are struggling mentally, if it's weighing on you, Elizabeth, the books are weighing on her. You can mm-hmm. tell. They're, they're, it's a sign that that's when you need to let go. So uh, don't, let, don't, let, don't let it cost your sanity, Mike. Yeah, indeed. Well, Ryan, we got so much more to talk about. But first, what do you got for us? Here are some voicemail comments and insights from our listeners. Check them out. Hi, I'm Carrie from Denver with a tip about answering the what do you do question. I love your advice about answering that question by saying what I'm passionate about, but I found that my answers were being dismissed a little bit, maybe because I'm a stay-at-home mom and there's a little bit of like an entitled stigma attached to that role, so I tweaked my response. Now I answer with, I work really hard at maximizing the things that matter most to our family. 
I'm an ambassador of purposeful living, so to speak. And then I go on to talk about writing and camping and the other things that I'm passionate about and ask the other person what they are passionate about. It's opened up some really incredible conversations, and I'm so grateful for your advice. Hi, my name is Tracy Willis, and I live in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I have a comment. I was listening to your Vermont show, and somebody asked about children and how to be a minimalist with all the stuff that comes with that. And I wanted to share a couple of tips. I have a one-year-old, and we started our minimalism journey when I was seven months pregnant before she was born. And a couple of tips I have learned over the last year or so is um, are follows. <clears throat> for gifts, ask for passes or memberships to local museums, zoos, gymnastic centers, etc. These get you and your child out of the house and engage you in your community. There's also um, extra perks, discounts, or special events for members that um, that come with those passes, and it's a really great way to do it. Another thing is oftentimes children under two are free for those, so really your membership only includes you. Um, maybe your other family members are plus ones. As far as toys go, rental services exist in many places. Our local library, for example, allows uh, has a toy lending service, so you can rotate toys out and take them back without cluttering up your space. There are also online subscription services that are, that are similar. One local one for us is called Bloom Box, and it has really beautiful toys and educational activities that go along with them that you rent uh, for a month and send back. Um, another thing about toys is that I found is designating a space in your home to keep those toys so that they're not ending up everywhere around the house um, really helps you to kind of keep ma- manage what you actually have. and. Once that space fills up, you can get rid of those toys or let go of toys. Um, Toys can also be donated if they're in good condition to daycare centers, children's hospitals, shelters, um, etc. You can also sell them at stores like Once Upon a Child. Um, As far as clothes, I've found going for secondhand is um, very helpful as many of the clothes get ruined or messy anyway. Often also the child grows out of clothes before they're able to wear them very much, so it's nice to not have spent a ton on it. Um, And no matter what, baby clothes are pretty much cute because they're tiny and cute. ThreadUp is another great website that I've used to buy things um, that are in great condition, as well as Once Upon a Child. And then finally with accessories, try a packing party with your bottles, your towels, your bibs, anything um, that isn't like the toys and everything. Uh, and if you don't use those things in 21 days, you probably don't need them. All right, y'all. We have a bunch more surprise questions this Thursday on Patreon. That's the maximal episode on the Minimalist Private Podcast. That's for our simpleton friends mm. over there. That's uh, patreon.com slash the minimalist. But first, real quick, for right here, right now, here's one thing that's going on in the life of the minimalist. So, Ryan, I put out this Twitter poll. I printed it out here, and I said, raise your hand if you're coming to one of our upcoming tour stops. Which city? How far are you traveling? We're simplifying 20 cities across the United States and Canada. Which part of the event are you most excited about? And I was so thrilled by this because I was so surprised by the answer. So these upcoming 20 events have four different unique parts. There's a minimalism talk, there's a book reading, there's a live podcast, and there's an audience Q&A. Now they all will blend together in different ways, but 
fundamentally, all four of these components will be at every event. Now, we might also have some surprise musical guests, some surprise podcast guests. So there's mm. other adornments that you will experience from our live events. Mm. And I was just blown away, Ryan. So 53% of the people said the thing they were most looking forward to is the minimalism talk that starts out the show. Awesome. And I was, I mean, for me, I... I, I just didn't, I didn't have any expectation here, mm -hmm. but that was so, it was so disproportionate. Like, I want to see you guys give a talk about minimalism. Mm -hmm. A lot of people say, I've never seen you talk about, so we're bringing a brand new talk that has never been seen before on tour. Also the live podcast, the book reading, the audience Q and A. Here's the good news though. You don't have to pick just one. <laughs> You've got all four. Uh, we're yeah. coming to a bunch of cities. We're going to be in... Uh, Florida, Orlando, we'll be in Nashville, we'll be in Atlanta. We're going to start the tour in Texas, three cities in Texas, San Antonio, Houston, Dallas. We're going to be in the Mountain States, Phoenix and Denver and Salt Lake City. Now, some of these are smaller venues. And in fact, I just sent a screenshot to Jess, our social media, ma social media manager this morning. And I said, hey, look at New York. Like all the seats are almost taken already. And they've only been on sale for less than a week at this point. And so it's now, incredible. yeah, it really is. I mean, it's great to see that people were finally getting back out and were able to do some live events after a long time. It's my favorite part of what we do, man. It's Same here. It's getting on the road. It really is. And, and everything about it is actually one of my least favorite parts. The, the traveling and the, every The public speaking. <laughs> yeah. That part is just a, a irrational fear of mine. But yeah. really what I enjoy is that I guess you could call it communion, the time together with people. We yeah. have some of that here with the podcast. You're listening to this at some point in the future after I've recorded it, after Ryan has recorded it. But at the live events, we're experiencing this all together. Yeah. And it's one night, one night only in, in your town. We'll be in a bunch of cities, uh, New York, Boston, D.C., Minnesota. We'll be in Minneapolis. We'll be in Columbus, Toronto, I'm trying to do it off the top of my head here. Uh, Chicago, L.A., San Francisco, Seattle, Vancouver, 20 cities total. Yeah. TheMinimalists.com slash tour to find the city closest to you. What I love about it, man, is it's just a night where people from all walks of life get together. You like you leave the dogmatics outside. You leave the politics outside. Mm -hmm. And you unite around this one very simple, not easy, but this one very simple concept. That and word unite really stands out. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, so join us for a night of unity. Yes. Yeah. We simplify your city for one night only. I had this great testimonial from Kelly over on Patreon. She said, great book. I was so pleased with the depth and truth of your new book, Love People Use Things. It took everything to a deeper level. I was so inspired. I bought tickets to your live event, and then I decluttered some more. <laughs> uh, and That's so. Awesome. I think what's nice here is we're sort of blending the two. I mean, you don't have to read the book in order to attend one of these live events. In fact, I'm going to read from the book to you in a way. And so we're going to do a little bit of reading. We're going to answer your questions, but we're just going to have a night together. And I'm grateful for that. If you want to come out, it's theminimalists.com slash tour. Get your tickets while you can. For our added value this week, Ryan, I, um, this might be my favorite song of the year so far. 
And I was playing it in here for you the other day, I think, or maybe we were playing it on the road. Uh, the Kid Leroy has a song with Justin Bieber. It's called Stay. Now, Bex and I, we have this uh, segment on her podcast. Her podcast is called How to Love, by the way. Spotify, Apple, whatever, wherever you listen to podcasts. But we do this segment called Terrible Love. It's really about the terrible love advice you get from songs. Mm. Because when you think about it, so many great songs have just, when you really look at the lyrics, it's like, oh my gosh, I, I, I feel this. But it is such bad advice or perspective or ideology, right? And so we did a whole breakdown of this song. Thankfully, Justin Bieber comes in and actually saves the song, uh, talking about love. And it seems like he has developed a, a more thorough understanding of love. But the kid Leroy is a teenager, and so he's still really struggling with the, the concept and the needing, the clinging, the attachment in such a beautiful song. This is Stay from The Kid Leroy and Justin Bieber. By the way, we have a bunch more surprise questions this week, like what is the difference between hoarding, collecting, and archiving? How do you maintain minimalism in your kitchen, specifically the kitchen cupboards, fridge, and freezer? What if your spouse is not on board with minimalism and it causes conflict? How do I determine the line between holding on to things to sell versus donating them plus a million more questions for the minimalists and if you want to hear all that join us on the minimalist private podcast this week visit patreon.com slash the minimalists to subscribe and get your personal link so that our private podcast plays in your favorite podcast app you'll get access to all of our archives all of our ask the minimalist anything sessions we have 47 of those over there right now also, our entire community. We talked about community already, Ryan, but there's an entire community of five or 6,000 people over there right now that you can interact yeah. with, comment on, share your decluttering experiences, your relationship experiences. It's pretty amazing over there. It really is. Mm -hmm. I mean, some amazing, open-minded people. It's beautiful. Also, our event archives. Ryan and I have done nine tours in the last 10 years. Many of them are recorded, audio and or video, and you can check those out exclusively on Patreon, plus any of our new upcoming tour stops, our true fans and VIPs get access to all of the recordings of all of our live events over on Patreon. You can follow The Minimalists on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Minimalists. If you have a question, comment, or minimalism tip for our podcast, email a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com. You can comment on this episode at youtube.com slash The Minimalists. And if you want our show notes in your inbox, sign up for our email list over at The Minimalists. Com. You'll also receive any new minimalist writings that we publish for free right there in your inbox. And if you leave here today with just one message, let it be this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. I told you that I never would. I told you I changed. Even when I knew I never could. Know that I can't find nobody else as good as you. I need you to stay. Need you to stay. I get drunk, wake up, I'm wasted still. I realize the time that I wasted. I feel like you can't feel the way I feel. I'll be fucked up if you can't be right here. Can't be right here. I do the same thing I told you that I never would. I told you I changed.